only at the SeaTac Expo Center. Whether you're a leather lover or just a denim demon, if you're looking to dress to impress for less, do not stress. You'll find all the best in pre-distressed vests right here at the Pacific Northwest Vest Fest. With over 40 vendors selling countless crossover styles, you'll find the perfect thing for your scene. Metal, thrash, Walmart, Ives, and everything in between. All in one place. One day only. Unless it's a jacket. If you need a jacket, take your square ass somewhere else. Never pay for fabric you don't need. Ditch the sleeves, but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR, get it half price. Daddy, Daddy, what are we going to do today? At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, over there at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for Titans of Comedy. That, that's Titans of Comedy. Apparently, they've got great sandwiches, cafe drinks, and even some of my favorite beverages, like beer, wine, and sangria. All the things I drink to forget your mother. I knew Uncle Blake says you smell like a brewery. What did I say about interrupting me? Anywho, right here on 20th and Alabama in the Deep Mission, paired with tasty comedy from Bay Area's favorite comics. For free! Every Saturday. Or at least the two Saturdays a month that the court mandates have to see you. It's sunshine, and even in a drizzle, but not too much. Hey, Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come? I really don't. Anywho... Reservations on Eventbrite. Talk in public schools. In a tri-level dual world of stand-up comedy, laughter has value and the unexpected laugh is priceless. Whoisthatlive.com. Comedy local shows on sale now. Everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true drawing. Who wants to focus on the genre of stand-up comedy and those that <laughs> go to whoisthatlive.com for upcoming shows. Or download a podcast and you can...
Houston on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. TGIF at OMG. Third Fridays of every month at 7.30. Come to OMG on Savory 6th Street for TGIF. Thank gods it's funny. Every third Friday at OMG, check us out. Free shows, great drink specials, hilarious comics. Every Friday, San Francisco, gouging ya. Here we go, free comedy with Mutiny Radio. You know you love us. Third Fridays of every month, OMG, 6th Street. Come on out with your friends. Mutiny Radio, TGIF at OMG. Friday night is time for the happy hour. Could be the last happy hour ever. Mutiny Radio. Could be. Could be. All right. It's the same as it always is. Four minute sets. You'll hear a horn. And uh, I'm exciting and bringing Luigi back in town from New York. So. Mm. All right, everybody. Clap your hands together for your first comedian. It's Dan Lewis. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Okay. Catch the breath, get settled in here. I don't know how to, I never know how to start. I, a lot of people have like these look-like jokes, you know, like I look like this. I don't really look like anything. I'm pretty much a, kind of a blank person in a way. The only thing I ever get is sometimes people are like, you look like uh, Jason Statham. I get that one a lot, which is kind of like, I don't like it because it it's sort of, sort of like saying, you look like a worse Jason Statham, right? No one's ever like, oh, you look like a more handsome Jason Statham. No one ever does that. And if they do, they're kind of insulting you in other ways inadvertently. No one's going to be like, you know what? You look like a more handsome uh, uh, Jason Statham. Uh, you know what? He should be uh, working at Panera Bread, actually. You should be the movie star. Anyway. But it is hard. Yeah, I got to, uh, I do. Once in a while, I'll walk somebody. So in comedy, obviously, you guys all know. 
somebody gets up and leaves during the set, that's walking the person. This happened to me the other day. It was a small child that I watched, and uh, parents told me that was his first steps, actually. They were like, thank you. They were crying. It was amazing. Okay. Probably shouldn't do jokes about how bad I am at comedy. That's not good. Guys, I think uh, too much of the online porn's kind of distorting my idea of reality. You know, it's like uh, I was driving near uh, UC Berkeley campus the other day, and I was like, oh, maybe that's just college girls or something. Then I saw them, and they looked really young. So I was like, ew, it's kind of gross, actually. Because like, hot college girls, I was picturing like a, a full-grown lady with like, uh, you know, pigtails and uh, C-section scar and all that stuff. Uh, and braces, too, for some reason. That's what I was picturing. This explains my, uh, my disappointment and surprise last night uh, when my pizza delivery guy didn't quite have the big, juicy cock that I was expecting. <laughs> Ew. Thank you. Guys, I have a wrapped 23andMe test in my house. I don't want to take it. My friend bought it for me. And I'm not, I don't know if I'm interested. I was talking to another friend of mine about should I do it. He says, whatever you do, don't take that test. Do not take that test. I was like, why? He said, because that's how they caught the Golden State Killer. Guy who killed 13 people. His advice for not being like the Golden State Killer, uh, don't take the test. Not don't kill 13 people. He's like, he's like, look, man, I don't know how the rest of the world works. Taking the test is something you can control. Good advice for anybody, actually. Uh, yeah, you miss a period, don't take the test, lady. COVID symptoms, don't take the test. Whatever you do. If you have already killed 13 people, I agree, don't take the test. And also maybe kill one more person. Because 13 people, that's got to be bad luck. Uh. I don't know why Santa hasn't been canceled yet. I feel like he should be canceled. First of all, he disproportionately benefits white people. That's not cool. Also, he, uh, it's kind of weird. It's like there's this whole idea that if you do all your chores and everything, uh, be nice to your sister, be nice to your brother, do all your chores, in the end it only comes down to your parents' annual uh, income. Sort of. I think a little weird. Also, he only has little people working for him. That's a red flag right there. You go into Ikea and you see a little person working there, no big deal. You see two, you're like, maybe a coincidence. If everyone working there is a little person, you're going to be like, I am never coming back here again. Nor am I ever going to Sweden, just to be safe. For the record, and uh, you guys, well, thank you for listening here today. Give it up for Pam Benjamin. Dan Lewis, Keep your hands clapping straight next to me and everybody. It's Amy Stringer. All right. Um, hmm. Witches get a bad rap. They're just always having a good time. Like. Um, witches. Yeah, they get a bad rap. I think I don't think much is They're just living their best life. And uh yeah, maybe they ate a kid or two, but I'm sure they're not the annoying ones that deserved it. No, they went exploring and they what they say, it's what witches say. Double double toil and trouble. Fuck around and find out. Um, 
I'm a I'm a twin. Maternal. I get that a lot when I say, you know, I'm excited. They're like, oh, no, we're fraternal. And they're like, oh, normal human. Uh, but we, uh, when we were born, my mom, she had to have a C-section. And um, I was the one who was supposed to be born first. But somehow my of everything just like wiggles out over me, kicks me in the face and flips me off so she's being carried away by the doctor who's born first. And then she has to put and stomps the crust out of my heart and spend some time in the NICU because the natal intensive cunt unit where she belongs. I um I I dated men most of my life, but but recently I, I experimented dating women for the first time, and that was fun. I wasn't good at it though; like um, there was a learning curve I wasn't expecting. Like like for the first like the first time I was really hooking up with a woman, and um, I tried so hard, but I couldn't take her bra off. I know how to do mine, but on her it was just a different angle. Um, yeah, and then I just felt so bad for all the men I have judged so harshly ever since I was a teenager. If a guy, you know, fumbled even for a second trying to take my bra off in my head, I'd be like, okay, amateur. Never walked a mile in my life. I, worst is, though, I, I couldn't find her. I know how I know how mine was, but on her it was just a different angle. I wasn't expecting so many folds down there, and I was like, "Ooh, what library is this?" What about a bookmark? It was like. Okay, amateur. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't know I was signing up for an origami class. I don't know. I didn't make her come, but I did make a lovely swan. Thank you. Amy Stringer, everyone. And her cunty baby. <laughs> that's a funny, that's funny, a, a baby is a Okay, your next comedian. <laughs> Put your hands together for Art Galustan. Hello, everybody. Got some gifts for me? What's going on there? How you guys doing? Let's give it up for Pam one time, huh? Yeah. But guys, I'm single. If you're wondering, I also never Guys, so I'm single, I'm, um, and the thing is, I like to date women that are out of my league. Good thing is I'm bald and short, so that's why. It's weird being bald because I'm the only bald person. Is there was nobody there to put head on top of your head, or that skinheads is not support group for bald men? 
What the fuck? Try some new jokes today, guys. I need a little encouragement, you know. Fake a couple of laughs and shit. I'm all for enabling women to penetrate male dominated career fields. Like, there is no reason why we shouldn't have more female software engineers. There's some jobs that I think we should leave for men. For example, if I take a fat shit, I clog the toilet. I don't want a hot blonde named Rebecca to solve with a plunger. I just feel like a plumber should look like somebody that could cause a plumbing issue. I don't know. We're trying. We're trying. My mom clogged the toilet? I, cl I clog it and fix it a lot. So I have a lot of experience. I might just um, I'll tell you guys a story. When I was in my early 20s, I got arrested. Sounds badass, but it's stupid. I got arrested in San Francisco for weed. Granted, at the time it was illegal, but saying you're not supposed to smoke weed in San Francisco is kind of like a warning label and a product that everybody ignores. Like, have you ever bought a box of Q-tips and it says you're not supposed to use Cheers? What's going to happen? You're going to get into your eardrum? But here's the stupider part of the story. I didn't get arrested by a San Francisco police officer. I got arrested by a San Francisco State University police you know how embarrassing it is at getting arrested by a campus cop? That's like getting suspended by a substitute. Because are they even allowed to do that? Apparently they are. Here's the stupidest part of that story. I wasn't even a student at SF State. I was just driving by. Here's what happened. I was driving. I had weed in the car. I get pulled over. I thought I was going to get away with it because two days before, I watched this YouTube video that taught you how to deal with cops. It was all about knowing your rights. I was ready. Cop walks up to me. He says, do you know why I pulled you over? I remember the video. They tell you, don't admit your guilt. So I said, no, officer, not. He the weed in the car. He goes, you get out of the car. I'm going to search it. Again, I remember the video, and I said, sorry, officer. I do not consent to your search. You're going to need a warrant for that. I was getting him. Then he goes, get the fuck out of the car. I'm going to pull you out. I didn't know what to do because when I was watching the video, I fell asleep halfway through. So I didn't get to this specific scenario, so I had to get out of the car. I was sitting on the curb. He called for backup. A couple of more cop cars pulled up. This time real cops, SFPD. This is how I imagine he called for backup. He was probably like, hey, this is campus cop. I made an arrest. I'm going to need backup. And the cop on the other line must have been like, are you even allowed to do that? I was in the cop car going to jail, and the cop kept asking me a hell of questions. But I remember the video. I must have woke up again from my nap. I remember this part. They said, don't answer the questions because they could use it against you in court. So I wasn't saying nothing to him. He got real annoyed at me. He goes, like, what are you, deaf or something? I said, sorry, officer. I must have damaged my eardrum. Thank you, guys. Yay, Art I I also use Q-tips to clean my ears. Also, they're the best way to pick your nose. All right. Yeah, you can if you have boogers in your nose, use a Q-tip. Best way to dig those little motherfuckers out. Uh, your next comedian is joining us all the way from New York City. Clap your hands together, everybody, for Ian Levy. So here are my new jokes. I um I recently learned uh, you're not supposed to use 
term uh, homeless anymore. Housed. A little bit like, you know, organic. Thinking. I think you mean unfloating. Oh, we got that. But I, you know, I wanted to get it right, you know. So that I, I actually asked a homeless person, so would you rather be called homeless or unhoused? And he bit me. So it feels like, oh, you know, I still want to get, I was like, nah, once for yes. It is kind of crazy. Also, what are we supposed to call the shelter? An unhoused shelter? It doesn't sound like much of a shelter. i got to be honest. Oh, you be like, hey, it sounds like uh, the outside. Just to be like, hey, I'm going to send you to this new unhoused shelter. It's going to be nice. There's trees and a sandbox and a slide. It's like, are you sending me to the park? Like, what's happening? I uh, One of my favorite stories, of maybe my favorite story, years ago, and they're going to build a homeless shelter. People in that together raised $70,000 to hire an attorney to fight the homeless shelter being built, uh, which is just amazing, really. I mean, just, just imagine, I, what I want to know is, what did the homeless people think? You had 70000 I only ever asked for one. Like, that's crazy. Can't just even give me that. And the most, I I, I met one of the the people. I met the guy. I I can't remember his name, but he was in a restaurant. And the main guy who who started the, the the raising money to fight the homeless shelter. And I came up to him. And I was like, "How dare you do this to the homeless people in San Francisco?" And he said, uh, "You should call them unhoused." So I was like, "You son of a bitch!" You know, he's got that's not the point. Um, I'm not very uh. uh I was on a date recently. I happened. I was on a date at the restaurant, and me and this woman we were, we were getting drinks. The guy came in to the bar. The woman uh, kept looking over at this guy. I asked her. I said, "Do you uh, do you know that guy?" Yeah, that's actually a that's my stalker. Uh, I don't know how he found me, but he's constantly sending me very threatening messages. Also threatening anyone I'm romantically involved with. Uh, so I told. I was like, "I'll deal with it." I went up and I said, hey, buddy, listen, uh, I don't know this woman, okay? I just <laughs> met her online. I have no real connection, okay? We're not friends. In fact, I'm going to leave. Let me buy you a round of drinks. I didn't know you had dibs, but, you know. I'm not brave. I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I come from a long line of cowards. You know, I can't deal with, if you have a stalker or a family curse or something, tell me that before we go out and get drinks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stick around. I'll meet someone else. You'll die, but, you know. I want to live. Oh, I feel like there's always these movies. Brave. I was like, oh, there's some bandits. They'll form a posse. Go down to the old corral and have a shootout. Never shown the movies. Let's just give the bandits what they want, you know. And that's just like. Yeah. I don't, uh. I like movies. I watch a lot of movies. As I get older, uh, there's there's a very specific genre of movies. There's only really one movie that's made for like men in their 30s. All it's the same fantasy, no matter what the setting. What if you could solve your problems with violence? That is every every movie that's made for me. It's just like imagine it because it it turns out. As you get older, it's not fun to do the right thing. Like, the right thing is always de-escalating. You know, if someone's, like, mad at you, the 
got to be like, oh, let's calm down and use our adult, you know. But in your head, you're like, yeah, fuck it, you know. Like, you want to beat them up and stuff. My main fantasy isn't even fighting, like, tough. I fantasy. I watch Karen videos on TikTok of just women being like, you can't park here. And I just picture being like, park here, you know. Like, that's my, that's my main, how I take out my aggression. I, uh, been on dating apps a long time. Uh, it's inter- you, st- you end up, you start following people's lives. That's how long I've been on. You, you see them grow, you know, you're like on there, and you're like, oh, wow, Jennifer, she finished law school. Like, good for her. Like, that's really impressive, you know? It's crazy. And you're like, swipe, and up, oh, it's still a no. Okay, I guess she, I wouldn't date me if I was a lawyer either. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Oh, no, Amanda, she's drinking again. That's not good. I thought we moved past this. Oh, man, it's a match. She really has hit rock bottom, so that's not <laughs> Good at all. Okay, guys, that's in my thoughts. Ian Levy, everyone. The triumphant return. San Francisco. All right. Your next comedian is the head honcho over at Milk Bar. Put your hands together for Connor Marshall. How are you? Is this one? This one? This one? This works. How you guys doing? Good? Light on? What's up? Hello, hello. My name's Connor. Uh, been having a rough week. Been having a hard time sleeping. I've been having night terrors. I got myself uh, one of those white noise machines. Plays cold play out. Okay, all right. First joke. Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, my dad is a Vietnam vet. Saved animals during the Vietnam War. Okay, all right. No, he was actually in the Vietnam War. He was a uh, Vietnamese baby. And his dad was an American soldier, which I think makes my grandmother a prostitute. Okay, all right. Sorry, Grandma. Okay. Uh, my dad is a lot darker than me. He's a lot darker than me, so this would happen all that. When I was a kid, people would think I was kidnapped all the time, um, which is weird. I remember the first time it happened, I was in the grocery store, and this lady came up to me. She grabbed my arm. She's like, excuse me, you know who this man is? And I was like, get the fuck off me, bitch. Stranger danger, why are you touching me, right? Uh, and then I had to go over to my dad and be like, hey, dad, why did that lady just ask me if I knew who you were? And he had to lean over and explain to me that that lady is a priest. She only sees color. She doesn't see, or faces look exactly the same. Uh, so now when I see kids who, like, look different, and their parents, like they're from a different state, or I like have an affinity for those families. It like feels good. I'm like, oh, that's cool that two different looking people had a kid that looks even weirder, right? Uh, but it makes me wonder if I've ever walked past a kidnapped kid. Thought, this is beautiful. I love this. This is so nice. Uh. Been in San Francisco eight years now. Yeah. Trying to be progressive. I got myself a boyfriend. Thank you. The girl. I just like to call her my boyfriend. She thinks that's funny. Think it's funny to Dutch oven her. Does not think that's funny. Oh boy. Getting we broke up. She was a monster. Uh, we were in an open relationship. Yeah. If you guys know what that is, that means I was open to finding a better relationship. Francisco. No idea what that means. 
She actually just got diarrhea. I don't think we're going to keep uh, actually a single dude right now. Recently had a pregnancy scare. There's a pregnant lady hiding in my closet. I actually do have a girlfriend, you guys. I do have a girlfriend. Uh, my girlfriend is a bitch. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. She hates when I use that word. My wife is a bitch, you guys. My boyfriend hates that joke. My husband loves it, though. I got to keep it. You know what I'm saying? Good love. I'm a single guy right now. Single dude at the moment. Recently had sex with a vegan girl. He had an impossible pussy. Okay, so that other pussy, I was just hungry an hour later. Does that make sense? Wasn't very filling. All right, that's a good joke. Okay. What? You guys are all going like this. Like, I don't know if I should. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'll end on this one. Fuck it. Uh, I'm going to have a gender reveal party next week. Not having a baby. I just want to show my friends my penis. So. Hey, my name is Connor Marshall. Thank you guys. Have a good night. Bye. Connor Marshall, everyone. Go check out all the shows at Noel Kate's Debates and Wednesdays and Thursdays. All kinds of good shows. All right. Your next comedian is just a joy and a wonderment to be around. Put your hands together for Josh Kopsky. <laughs> Thank you very much. My, uh, my dad just had jury duty. Didn't have to do the trial, but he told me that the guy pleaded guilty to threatening the last jury, and I don't think that's the jury duty that you want. I told him he should ask to be on the jury for the guy who bribed his jury. I feel like that would be a better way to go. All right, we're starting out strong. Let's do some fucking new shit. Um, I I'm glad that superhero stuff is getting more progressive. Like all the movies, progressive. Superhero, the Eternals. They had their first Muslim superhero, Miss Marvel. They're actually coming out with a movie about a superhero team of people who have transitioned from male to female. X Men. Uh, it. I'm glad they're getting more progressive. It's always funny to me when they have a progressive superhero and people get really mad about it. Like a few years ago, there's this comic strip where Superman was gay, and people were getting really mad about it. There were these reviews where people were being like, ah, zero stars, unrealistic. Like, that's the unrealistic part for you? It wasn't the flying or the laser eyes, it was the dick shit. But, <laughs> joke's only for Brady. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's also, like, I don't think Superman's straight, you know? Like, the chiseled abs, perfect hair, the colorful leotard that he pulls off. I don't think he's straight. He's definitely not gay either. Superman is an alien. He comes from a planet a million light years away. What he's doing with Lois Lane is closer to bestiality. Um, it feels weird that people are getting mad at him. For, for the, it it kind of feels like if you saw your friend like jump into the chimpanzee exhibit and start sucking its dick, then you were like, whoa, 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 dude. That chimp is a guy, fucking gay. I don't, I don't think that Krypton blew up. I think that Superman was just like kind of a perv, a little bit of a zoophile. And they were like, you have to get out of here. We're, we're kicking you out, Superman. Fuck you, Clark. All right. 
Um, I I have IBS, just to, so you can all know a little bit about me. Um, I have IBS, which was fine during COVID because I was like working from home and the bathroom was five seconds away from my face. But now I'm going into the office. I have to get up like every half hour. I don't like it that my coworkers are thinking going up and sitting. So I am trying to convince them that I am just addicted to cocaine. Um, you don't even if you want to do it. It's all you don't even have to lie to them every time you exit the bathroom. Be like, I am not doing cocaine in there. That guy's doing cocaine in there. Um, I'm trying to sell it though, um, which is tough because I've never done the drug myself. So I'm just doing what I've nose touching, a uh, lot of woo, like sick goddamn, that kind of stuff. Um, pretending to brush my teeth a lot. Bad movies. I think that's actually why they cut cocaine with baking soda. Like, if people are going to do this, we need to make sure they actually do it. Um, are they new ones? I'm getting sick of these targeted ads on my phone. Like, sorry, my dog pops out. Like, stop sending me ads for targeted ads. That's not why I'm looking up hot now. <laughs> targeted ads that I get are always like Christian mingle. Doesn't make any sense because A, L, I, I don't dating apps, and B, just because I say fuck Jesus does not mean. Okay, your next comedian. What, what an amazing. Wrap your hands together, everybody, for Brady Pearson. Well, hello, Mutiny Radio. How are we today? Excited it's Friday, another shitty week over with, everyone. I did not, I mean, of all the crazy things going on, I didn't, did not. Single time. Well, Trump, his weird ass. Did you hear about this? Donald Trump now has released NFTs. Yes. No, we, no, seriously. Like, he had this big announcement. Be really big. Be gigantic. And what he did is he really just, like, he just said $99. Let's have this $99 for, an a, for these, like, really poorly. It's like, if, like, if you imagine you got the shittiest AI you could possibly imagine. Fill it with the worst parts of Trump that you could imagine. $99 a pop, ladies and there is no satire left. Comedy is dead, but I'm going to give it a shot right now. Um, I'm also very excited because now, um, the wor- is the World Cup over yet? No, it's still going on, right? So we've got young men chasing balls all over a field. Why can't it always excites me to watch it. I mean, I'm certainly watching um, the goal over there. I'm certainly doing that. But um, And I think and it makes me think about other sporting things like this. Um, oh, wait. I'm just really good to be here, Pam. But um, so I just turned 55 today. So I'm a big old faggot. I don't know if you can tell. And it made me wonder. You know, now I've just reached this age. Maybe wonder what I've done with my life. You know, what 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 have I really contributed? What have I gotten from it? You know, and it's just existential thoughts. We all think of this, even older, don't we? 
made me think of hmm. another cocksucker in the room. Yes, girl. Okay, so you you can go. Are you guys lying? You so you are lying, right? Of course. You so you've never sucked a cock. Would you ever suck a cock? Why not? Maybe. What would it take? Real love, uh huh, uh huh, or maybe some maybe some food. I don't know. Okay, so do you enjoy do you, do you do it for um, power or love? Okay, so now 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 that we, now that we've cleared the air, let's do some math, guys. This is going to be hard. So we're going to try to talk about real inches. So let's say you six, uh, the average cock is what six inches. You. Okay, just try to be generous here, my friend. Okay, so let's see, one up, one down, one pass. Is the one up, one down, that's a foot. There are 4,580 feet in a mile, right? Keep going, and I kept doing the math and doing the math, and I came up with like 180,000 odd feet, which is 26.6 miles, which is a marathon, which explains last weekend. I feel so close to you all tonight. I want to share with you a dream of a Boy Scout. Never was, but could have been. Lake could attain. Oh, love you, put it in me. Put it in me every day. Love you, put it in me. But it's in me all the way on your shore. Put it in me. I am Lord. Put it in me. Put it in me every day. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Pam. Brady Pearson, everyone. Yay, Brady Pearson. Coming up soon, his new musical. Uh, which is going to be great. Little Orphan Fanny, yeah. I can't wait to hear your rendition of It's a Hard Cock Life. I can just lift my spirit. <laughs> uh, your next comedian, because uh, Lauren's not here yet. Put your hands together for the very lovely, nice, funny, wonderful Sam West. Yay! What's up, everybody? I'm going to do reverb. Worse when I say that and then I do something. I had the worst nickname in high school. My nickname was Piglet. Doesn't sound too bad until you get the context. Both of my parents, police officers. You're wondering how hard it is to get a girl to go to prom with you when she thinks you're a goddamn Winnie the Pooh character? I was praying to Christopher Robin every night. My father, being a police officer, instilled good values. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Keep your chin up. Pay your taxes. You realize how much pot I had to smoke growing up to undo all of that damage? I can't smoke pot anymore. I get too high. I can't do basic household chores. Last week, I fucked up vacuum cleaning. Here's what happened. I got so high, I had my headphones turned up so loud. I didn't realize that vacuum cleaner was off the entire time. Hell yeah. All I could think was fuck, man. I just gave my house a 47-minute belly rub. 
got one of those Roomba vacuums recently. You know, and they kind of sketch me out because I think they collect all the data about my house and send it to Amazon. But from time to time, I like to put mine on a treadmill and let it go for a while. I like to think somewhere Jeff Bezos is slowly going crazy trying to figure out why Sam has a four-mile-long hallway in his little apartment. Yeah, my dad was always there for me. Single father for a little while, you know. I remember one night I caught the monster under my bed, Mike. I did what any child would do, step out in terror. He came so fast. Ew, Sam, ew. Sorry about your dad. Um, no, we've all seen our dads. Big boys in the house, we've all seen that. We've all, not, not just dads come, Jesus Christ. We've all seen our dad's dick. That's what I'm Holy shit, those are different things, Jesus Christ. But, it's, it, it, but, but for real, we've all seen it. You know, it's an integral part of being a man in today's society. You see your dad's cock growing up. So much so that I would argue, humbly, that it should be a mandatory stage in transitioning from female to male, regardless of age. Well, Jerry, the surgery, paperwork's done. Let's hop on the car, stop by the nursing home, say hi to Pops, make this thing official. All right, that's enough about my dad's dick. Let's, uh, let's move on to some silly one-liners. L-L. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Wow, what a long acronym. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, that is a long acronym, and it's been long for a long time of years. That is that is longest <laughs> name. Six years, seven years. You know, uh, I think we're approaching. That's why uh, we have two listeners, L-W. And what was it again? Oh, yeah, the other listener thinks they're listening to the LWAF podcast, long-winded as fuck, <laughs> which is two guys watching Netflix shows. So, But we're not that. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our acronym describes. Right now, we're on MutinyRadio.fm every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, following Found Round Sound with Scott O. Last week, I called him Steve O. Oops. Scott O. Yeah, Scott O. We're also right now on YouTube, as we are every week. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, for the full experience. But you could DYI it today uh, by listening to our podcast 
and watching a full-length movie on YouTube at the same time. That's the premise. That's what the acronym stands for. Why do you need to know this acronym, Carl? We have a podcast, too. You can find it by searching L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So you have three options right now. You're listening to us on Mutiny Radio Sunday. You are watching our YouTube channel or you're listening to our podcast. And all we ask in return, once you donate some money to Mutiny Radio, go ahead to Venmo and send a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Uh, Carl, gosh, good to see you, man. Good what movie are we you. watching? Oh, I should mention Carl is a co-host. Gotcha, Carl. Uh-huh. That, means, that means he wrote the theme song, he produces and edits the show, he interviews a celebrity comedian who will do our countdown to the movie today, every and week. he researches the movie every week. But for today, it's the switcheroo. Carl asked me to research and watch several times a movie and present it today. Carl, what was that movie? That was Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. Green, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. The channel we like is Aminat Oldies. Aminat Oldies. Terrific. Well, I'm really excited about that. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. And you know what, Carl? Maybe if we're good, if we're good, and I don't have to pull this car over, I will sing you the folk song green grows the rushes oh okay i'm What's, looking forward to that oh are you i don't think you are well i'm pretending i don't think you want to know what this is about do you want okay. to know what it's about well it's, there's rushes and they grow and when they grow they appear green oh so okay fair enough do you, do you know the the rem cover green rush the green grow the rushes okay so i did watch this film and when i searched Why? for it yeah. okay well, I mean, just so I wasn't out of context. I didn't do yeah. any re- I only watched right. it once. I hardly right. paid attention. And I did see R.E.M. come up. Now, I was an R.E.M. fan. I thought I knew everything they did. I did not know they did. They did a song called Green Grass and Rushes. And if I could understand what the fuck he's saying, I think it is the, the folk song, which I will sing at the end. Okay. You know how you know how the 12 Days of Christmas is Christmas is Christmas? Christmas but it's Christmas. not Christmas because we're not singing about anything Christian. Yeah, it's the same song, but mm-hmm. every single night there's a fucking something about religion in it. So we're gonna have to wait till the end of this movie. Man, we got a packed show for you tonight. Not only did we have an amazing introduction, we are going to watch Greengrass the Grushes. Go ahead into your searches, search for it. <laughs> okay, in the YouTube search engine, everyone put in Green Grow the Rushes, right. 1951. And the channel we like again was what is an oldies? You're not going to find a lot of channels. I'm a nuts oldies, right? It's the only movie version of Green Grass the Grushes. Yo, you did it again. Green Grass, Green Grows oh. the Rushes. Oh, oh God, fuck. And I think okay. that that title has nothing to do with this film. I mean, they're in a marsh. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of Mr. Show. They could call it flippity do, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 crazy British farce. Uh green grass aggressive. So go ahead, hit that link, hit pause, Again. move to zero zero zero. What am I not pronouncing the name? Green pronouncing isn't the right word. You're using different words. <laughs> green grush the grushes grow. Right. Green grush the brushes. Nineteen fifty one. That's what you don't put in the YouTube search engine. <laughs> Listen, so we did the introduction. 
We told them where to go. They got the link. We're about to launch into a pre-recorded interview Carl did with a celebrity comedian who yeah. is going to launch us into the movie. So yeah. we have, yeah. And then we'll be watching the movie. And at the end, I will sing this fucking song. All right. So what Thank a pack. You, <laughs> you know, most of these bad movie podcasts, Carl, they're two hours long because they talk about the movie. Ours is two hours long because we talk over the entire movie. Right. Right. Much better. All right, so we're going to kick this off, Carl. I am obviously very animated and excited to see this movie. So let us meet Carl. With He's going to talk to a celebrity comedian. We'll learn about the celebrity comedian, and then they will do the countdown. And when they say go, hit go, and we'll see you then. I'll see you then. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Bahe Ho! Welcome, Bahe! Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be here. I'm Mike Spiegelman. I'm on this interview, too. I'm a good friends with Vahe, and I'm glad to have you on the Celebrity Comedian Countdown portion of our show. Usually Thanks. these interviews are conducted by Carl. We're going to pick your brain, Vahe. I know Vahe is a comedian in San Francisco, a very funny comedian, and also probably one of the best showrunners, has the best show, better than Cheaper Than Therapy, better uh -huh. than The Punchline. Better than anything you're going to see. In fact, it, it's baked in the title, the best of SF stand-up showcase. Uh, Bahe, what led you into doing this? How did this happen? The show? The one yeah. that we've been doing for eight years? Um, well, I always knew I kind of wanted to have my own show because it's kind of nice. It gives you a lot of artistic freedom to experiment in whatever way you want because nobody can tell you that like they don't want you doing that. Um, except the audience, and the audience hasn't told me that. Like, the audience, you know, we've developed kind of a, a little bit of a following of people who, like, know where the show is every Friday, and they come back, and we feature the best comics in San Francisco, like Mike. In you've the title. Yeah, it's right there in the title, and uh, it's fun. So how did it come about? Yeah, I just, I just, um, well, we did a show for Variety, and then I approached them afterwards, and I was like, because it went so well, it was awesome. And uh, I was like, hey, do you want to work on, like, a regular show? And uh, they said, yeah. And so we did that. And it wasn't through, like, without, like, their great cooperation, it wouldn't be possible because, like, we certainly went through a lot of rough and rocky times. And I think, Mike, you were probably there for many of those. Yeah, uh, I should say, full disclosure, I worked the door for Vahe uh, for several years. The Variety Theater is one of the best theaters. It is one of the weird hidden gems in San Francisco. It's, it's a critics uh, theater screening room where for during the 90s, I went once, uh, but they all, you, all the critics would see the movies there and it's run by the Variety Theater, which is a charity group that does these charity runs and does the Vahe's live show. Now, what got you into comedy though, Vahe? I mean, what was the reason? What was your voice? Um, so always as a as a child, like in school, I was like making people laugh and trying to like be silly. I was like always like the silly kid, you know. And uh, I think I was always like trying to, because there was a lot of seriousness around me all the time. I felt like I think I grew up in like a serious environment and stuff, and uh, I was trying to like break through that. And then in high school, I did some like on stage stuff, and it went like really well. So then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I moved down to San Diego, and I started making trips to, like, the Laugh Factory. Um, but there's a comedy store on Pearl Street that I would go to um, sometimes and, like, some other stuff. And at that time, I think I was, like, 17 when I went up at the, the Laugh Factory the first time. And I told this story on Zoom. It was funny because, like, I went up on stage. I was really nervous. 
and uh, I went to the bathroom beforehand. And uh, I, so I then I go up on stage and uh, everyone starts like laughing and I think I'm doing really well, but it turns out my zipper is down. I didn't zip my pants. <laughs> Classic, right of passion, right of uh, comedy. Yeah, and then the guy, you know, uh, what's the guy's name, like Jamie or whatever? I, I went up and like talked to him after that. And I don't even know if he saw because I think he would have mentioned something about the zipper being down. Like, you know how he gives advice to people? So he told me like do comedy. It was either a hundred more times or a thousand more times, and then come back. So in other <laughs> words, don't come back for like a really long time. But I think it was cool that he like did that for comics, you know, because he was like the owner. I don't know if he still does that or what, but I didn't go there a ton of times because it was like an hour away from where I was going to school. But when I did, I got that feedback from him, and it was like a cool thing. So, yeah, it's the importance. I mean, the, the shows are for the audiences, but it also really does help comics to have like a kind of a solid place to, to go from. It's pretty memorable. One of the things you guys did during the pandemic, I, so I was working with you and there was a big argument of whether or not you should run the show. I think it was March of 2020 at the time. And you guys went off and went virtual uh, doing interviews and then kicked off probably one of the most successful still running Zoom shows out there. How do you feel with having that title? <laughs> Um, it's cool. I like it because I like doing the show and stuff, but I think Zoom comedy does have like a bad connotation to it because I think people associate it with the pandemic and also it, it kind of removes like the person to person element of stand up, which I think many comics like hold so dear. Um, but it is a form of human connection and I think it will be around in the future. And I think, you know, based on the people that come, you were on the show last night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and you had 100 audience members, and uh, uh, it was, they all have a kind of a community thing. It, it was it was pretty rock solid. You know, I feel like Zoom shows are like CNN. Like, once there's a national emergency, everyone's clicking onto it, you know. We just have to wait for another uh, another pandemic. But I, I do think, like, the, the cat's out of the bag. And, and you guys run a real pro professional show, too. Like, um, you had some notoriety because somebody fucked on uh, live. Can I bring that up? I don't. I don't want to albatross you, but uh, aren't you the show where someone fucked on live? A couple fucked. Uh, yeah, but it was like a tasteful fuck. You know, it was like it was like one of those like softcore porn movies. It wasn't like a hardcore porn. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, the way I, I think about that is like during the pandemic, we all did a lot of crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> and I think we should all get like a pass for those couple years. And I mean, geez, like, there's enough holding people accountable for every little thing. It's like, can we get, like, a pass during the pandemic? You know what I mean? Yeah, they had yeah. sex. I personally don't think sex is, like, a dirty, bad thing, personally. But, yeah, a lot of people thought it was bad. And uh, Well, they came They came to see the show. They came. They were focusing on stand-up. And yeah. any kind of extra stuff, they probably didn't appreciate it, maybe. I doubt it. But they, they came for the comedy, so they, they probably said, this isn't the comedy let you know. Yeah, and I think our name can be misleading because it's a very, like, generic and kind of, but also specific name, you know, but we, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella, you know, we add, like, a lot of personal uh, kind of touch to what we do, and I, I think guess, some people yeah. are, like, they think it's, like, this thing, and, and I think we've struggled with that because it is kind of a poor, like, marketing communication, I guess, in a way, but, uh, but no, that was fun and that was memorable, and I don't regret that happening. Is there any like uh, suitable for work uh, crazy accidents happen on, on the Zoom show you want to bring up? Something that hasn't happened on a live show or? Hmm. Or... Well, like it's always funny when you like tell a joke and then you hear someone like flush the toilet. 
you know, like, <laughs> um, it really gives, like, uh, it's always such a humbling experience to do Zoom comedy. Like, honestly, I think it keeps my ego in check. I have, like, a problem sometimes with my ego, and I think it, like, has kept me extremely humble, so... Um, but yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, the nakedness. People, like, we get the Zoom bombers. And it's funny because the Zoom bombers, they come on and they mess with the show. And I'm like, you know we have, like, an open mic portion of the show. Like, you can actually do a set. You don't have to, like, do whatever you're doing. And then after I said that, I was like, we want you to be, like, part of the show. Like, we love the energy they bring. Because, like, anybody who logs on to do anything, it's like they're bringing some kind of energy to what you're doing. And, uh... So we kind of, like, worked a few of them into the fold. And they're, like, really young kids, you know? Yeah. And honestly, it's scary. Like, I hope that's not representative of all the young kids out there. Because, like, no, it's all the young kids. Sure, as a country, then we're kind of, like, yeah. So you got to pipe pipe for them into the right direction, Bahe. you got to be the ringleader in the future. Yeah, I think comics are great for that, you know? Yeah. One thing, so your live shows and your virtual shows are kind of crash landing together. Can you talk about your upcoming live event? Uh, Granted, it's Halloween right now, but uh, you have you and uh, Christopher doing a show at the Moscone Center. Yeah, so we got an email from this uh, convention, uh, Fan Expo at Moscone SF, and they're like, do you guys want to stream or no they said record what you're doing on our like stage at the conference and uh i was like hell yeah i was like but we do a live stream and then he said at the moscone center the wi-fi is really bad so they, they don't won't do a live stream but they'll do like a three camera shoot recording where they like edit it like people edit it and stuff and it'll be seen live like from the people who are there and i was like obviously i really wanted to do that so so it would be a live, so people can go to the convention, see this live, and then you guys will edit it as a, as a Zoom show and then post it on YouTube or on your socials? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, they're going to give us a lot of freedom in terms of what we do because this has evolved, and now it's like a competition, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, you competed last night. I thought I got 3% to the vote. 3%? Yeah. That, that's myself, because as a comedian, I learned you always vote for yourself. You you are the funniest person in the room at all times. Totally. Otherwise, no one's going to say that. So you always have to vote that's for so yourself. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. a one-new-time comic last night. God bless this gregarious gentleman. Uh, as loquacious as he was yesterday, he's like, I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a comic. That was his first time performing, so he hasn't learned that lesson. Yet. I know. Well, it's it's stuck, it's it stuck out to me. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to uh, influence. I didn't want to encourage him. But, uh, you know, you got to be cold to the new comics. They got to have a thick skin. Yeah, totally. I think he'll learn that. And Because uh, if you don't vouch for yourself, like, everyone else is like, got – you know, a lot of comics are mostly focused on themselves, you know? They're not really in the business of helping, like, other comics so much. And I get it because it's so hard just to help yourself, you know what I mean? Well, it's also a sole proprietorship, and, and you have to be driven, which means you're going to fuck people over if you really want, want what you get. It's, that's why you're driven, quote-unquote. That's Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never fucked anyone over that I know of, um, and... That's probably why I'm not successful. So like, yeah, you gotta keep your eye on your prize. You gotta put your blinders on, and you gotta fuck everybody around uh, around you to get to what you want. And then you get it. And then you then you uh, I don't know. Fuck off. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Vahe, uh, I was, so let's let's get some uh, uh, links where people can find you as a comedian, uh, your dates, uh, and also your this show that's Runaway uh, live and virtual. 
Okay, yeah. So the virtual show is virtualcomedy.net. Um, virtualcomedy.com was taken, which is weird. Uh, Pandemic. Yeah. And then uh, bestofsfstandup.com is like from the live show. It's a classy room and it's a classy show. It has great, great, uh, I mean, these are seats for critics to sit down and watch John Leguizamo in the past. So you know these are the softest, greatest ass hugging seats you're ever going to experience for a live performance. Like, you know, yeah. it's a great room. Which kind of works against it, I think, at times. But Oh, they get too comfy? Yeah, because you don't want to be too comfy. It's a common known fact, right, that you don't want to be too comfy during a comedy show, I guess. So. Yeah, you got to keep the cold, the temperature cold. Cool. Uh, so we got all your links. We are now at the part of the uh, interview of the Celebrity Comedian Countdown, where you, our celebrity comedian, will do a countdown to our movie this week. Bye. Take it away. Okay. So uh, three, two, one, go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, celebrity comedian. Oh, we are going to act in this film. Yeah. Green grow the rushes, as I've been saying. <laughs> we have been saying a... something. I've been saying something. This is the Marsh, Carl. This is great. No, this is the United Kingdom. It's Great Britain, for sure. You know, I love I've seen... the accents in this film. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Because we have a powerhouse of actors in this movie. And two of them are definitely known for their voices, and they crank it out. I'm talking about Roger Liberty, who is the captain in this movie. And then, of course, we have young Richard Burton. Yeah, very young. <clears throat> well, you know, he's a – I did a little research, Carl. I went to Wiki, and I went to IMDb. But for Richard Burton, I watched a movie called In From Out the Cold. In From, mm. In From the Cold. A Portrait of Richard Burton. It was a 1965 documentary. That's that early. Well, you know, it was Cleopatra was 63. So they were three-ring circus at the time with that okay. marriage. Yeah. So, you know, but, oh, by the way, any resemblance to any living person, the actual event, coincidence, would be a miracle. Oh, this must be a farce. <laughs> this must be a bureaucracy. <laughs> and sure enough, here is a beautiful southeast England, Kent, and here comes bureaucrats oh, with their boom. bowler hats bowler hats and their glasses now these three guys each have their own personality for bureaucrats and they're going to like diss on each other throughout the film it's a i have to say this film is really good with characters uh -huh. but i want to just call out this moment so they they arrive to this marshy area and they control this land and the way it's shot this guy nigel twist the director, look at this. They they hover over the land. They look like go bureaucratic gods that own this area. <laughs> Isn't that a re it's remarkable, right? To start yeah. this movie off like that, it's pretty cool. Look at them. They're gods. Surveying all they survey. They're actually from the uh, agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishery. Gotcha. And they're down here in Angela DePone. I forgot the name of it. I have it. But basically. All this marshland is not being used for farming. That is, a, people are starving out there. People need their, yeah, you know. And they talk a lot about the history. So I guess, like, I don't know anything about America, right? So if you if we watch a movie about the South and they believe that they run themselves and they have mm -hmm. a, a bootlegging operation, you know, they're gator and they're doing, I would be like, yeah, makes sense to me. 
So this movie is kind of similar. So this area has history. Like, uh, they talk about Henry III a lot in this. Yeah, Henry III, Henry III decreed that they are, they govern themselves. They have yes. autonomy over themselves. So they have a charter. They have a uh, corporation charter, and they actually have Charter Day, which they're going to celebrate in this movie. But they have their own magistrates. Mag they have magistrate. Their... Mm -hmm. Yes. And so this bureaucracy group is ready to take over the land, but they're going to butt heads with them. And one thing they're going to mention, which is very romantic, is that this area was known for bootlegging. Smuggling. Yeah, like brandy in particular. And But that was the old days, Carl. They don't have it now. But they're right. curious, like, how come these farmers have great houses and they don't have any, uh, they have a couple cows grazing. That's about it. All right, so here's one of them. Smuggling. Uh, this guy is always sick. I've been sick for two years. I have this cold. He's got a two. He's got a cold. How's your cold this morning? Same as ever. Same as ever. Now, could it be allergies? Hmm. What do you think it is? Okay, so here's Gill, Colonel Gill, and he's being interviewed by Honor Blackman, who we don't have any Star Trek connections. But yeah, the closest we do. Closest we have to a Star Trek connection is her, Honor Blackman, who has been in every single iconic British TV show. <laughs> I would say the Avengers. She's dressed okay. up in leather. Uh, she was in Coronation Street in the 2000s, which is a famous sitcom. But And how does she tie into Star Trek ever so loosely? Well, she was also in Doctor Who during the 80s. Okay. And she was in The Saint with Roger Moore. So she Moore. doesn't tie into Star Trek what? at all. Yeah, Star Trek is, a, is an iconic American show. American, show. Not yeah, but what the fuck is Doctor Who... Fucking the Avengers and the Saint. I mean, you can't They're get more iconic. But the, uh, uh, <laughs> I would rather iconic? watch. Would you would rather watch Star Trek over the Avengers? The, well, the that's TV an interesting show. question. It depends on my mood, but I guess yes. So, if you want to jerk off to women in leather, then the Avengers. Well, Avengers is not going to have a green girl. Now, that's some jer jerk off fodder right there. Okay. Wow, these are great conversations we like to have. So, uh, and she's also. Obviously known, there she is, for uh, playing Pussy Galore in Goldfinger. That's Whoa! Really? Yeah, that's her. Terrific! And she died 94 years old in, 20, in the year 2020. That's great, 94. That's a ripe old age. Now, he goes, what, are you laughing at this? And she goes, no, it's just the way my face was made. Looks like I'm laughing all the time. <clears throat> Yeah, oh yeah. Basically, the, the marshland, you know, he's talking about this charter, the corporation. Liberty. And... Liberty. Oh, they're right, the Liberty. Liberty Charter. And that's why they called it that, because they they're autonomous. Now, this was actually based on a novel. A uh, guy named is Howard Cl uh, Chloe Clues. The best thing I can say about him is that Howard Clues, so like, uh, like Daniel Clues, Clues, I guess. Okay, if it was Howard Clues, he'd be like the rich guy, the aviator. Howard Hughes. A lot of OCD. A lot of OCD. Uh, no, it's like, I guess, Clues, like Daniel Clues. It's C-L-E-W-E. He also okay. wrote a book uh, called The uh, Long Memory. And one of the oh, The Long Memory. When I got to the end of that book, I, I close. I, I close. Do you... What was the long memory about? 
I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, his, that book was also about the, the marshy south uh, east area of England. There is so like she's a, a reporter, and she was interviewing him about these what these interlopers who are going to try to government whammy jammy them, force them to have farms. Oh, ah, here, he here he is. Let's take a listen. I'm looking for Mr. Wicks. Do you know where he is? I'm now. I expect he's down in the cellar, watering the beer. Mr. Wicks is a very honest man. I'm quite sure he isn't doing that. Oh, you, uh, you know him then, do you? There he is. That's the voice. Richard Burton. Richard Jenkins. You know, he had a... Yeah, he had a fucked up family. Well, he was... There was 13 kids in the Jenkins family. Okay. Uh, I... Uh, 11 siblings, but I, it was 13 because two died in their infancy before I was born. Okay, so they count. Yeah, he sounds like Kevin, uh, he sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the second youngest. Uh, their mom died after the final kid was born. And it was like a shitty area of Wales. He was from South Wales. I wonder if all his big brothers were like, yeah, you little punk. And then he became huge famous. He became the biggest brother. At Thanksgiving, they're like, hmm. This 1965 documentary interviews his oldest brother who lost his foot working in the pit. Like, you either worked in the steel mine. Uh, my town was called, it meant it was a bridge because it covered two bridges. We lived under the bridge. So his, his oldest brother uh worked in the steel mill and he lost his foot working in the fucking coal pit mm -hmm. so and they were making he was the only one who could work in that family and he was making like i don't know pennies on the dime whatever right. it, was, it was some so yeah burden did this for the money man like he so basically his story was that uh he when his mother died he moved into his sister's house who was married to some guy right. and he got him into school he got himself into oxford because there was an acting teacher, Mr. Okay. Philip Burton. Okay. He saw something in ah. this young 14-year-old. Philip and, Burton, okay. Yeah. So he went up to Sis, C-I-S, which is the name of one of the sisters. Like, she's Sis, mm -hmm. Sis female. Okay. And uh, they said, I would like to adopt you, uh, Richard. And she's like, yeah, take him. We got plenty. I don't know. She, she, it was heartbreaking. They talked really? to her about it. So he adopted, he became, the Philip Burton was 20 days younger. Like there was a limit, like to adopt a kid, to say, right. I'm dad, your son, you have to be exactly 20 years apart. They were 20 days shy of that. So he had to become a legal guardian for Richard Burton. Not a father, a right. legal guardian. Okay. So, and he went off and he went to Oxford. And when the war started, this movie is 51. So in 41, he got recruited in this thing. The RAF had, is it RAF? R-E-F? Royal uh, Air Force. R-A-F, Royal Air Force. Royal as fuck. Anyway, so they <laughs> <laughs> they had this program where he would act and then go to school for acting half the day and then half the time. And then the other half, he's in the RAF. Okay. So he started acting on stage. He became, oh, the globe. They offered me 10 pound a week and I took it and then my friend said Richard you should go back and ask for more and then he did and then the producer said fine he goes you talk to that old Welsh 
bulldog, didn't you? The other guy. So yeah, he was like he was doing Shakespeare, and he started acting his British films. And this is one of the British films he acted in. Now, Mike, we got an audience. You got to tell them what they're up to right now and how they got there. Is, it, is that how it happens? Well, right now she's investigating this dubious. Uh, well, no, sailor. no, it's duck hunting. He made it. She made an agreement. Right, the father. She, she's the father. Like owns the newspaper or something. And no, no, not even. Well, the father's not alive, is he? He's in the boat right now. The, it's uh, her father. It's her father. She's really more spying on Richard Burton, though. I think, like, she went out there. Well, I thought it was a coincidence. She goes out duck hunting because she mentioned it with her. She agreed with her father, and then she, you know, this boat. She, she, it, it just shows up. I, she doesn't know that Richard Burton's out there. Well, you know, her father does. Her father was a bootlegger. It's revealed. Her uh-huh. father was in on everything, and they're like. Should we let her in on it? I told her, and they're like, she's just a mosh girl. And they're like, yeah, go ahead, you know. Now, what are they drinking? Like, they drink coffee in this movie, but I think she's pouring tea. Yeah, it's coffee. They're not really. No, I don't know. I don't know what the contents are. It very well could be tea. But every drink they have in this movie is coffee. They even it even ends with them opening a cafe. What? What? You're forgetting about all the booze, dude. But I'm not talking about. I'm talking about when they drink. They don't drink tea, they drink coffee. Okay. Okay, now here we go. Here's old suspect. See, Going down the river. He, just, he just happened upon her. He did. She wasn't out there to spy. She was now becomes a spyer. She'll start spying. Well, she was. She didn't trust, like, oh, I see, there she goes. <laughs> this is me. And then he duck on. Hey, Carl, what you doing? Quack, quack. Hey, quack, quack. Good Carl, what you doing? Quack, quack. Did you hear my duck impression? What's with the rifle, Carl? Yeah. Hey, where's your duck thing? You know, the fake ducks? Oh, I don't need that. Quack! <laughs> Quack! I'm not the spending idea. my money on that. Well, you gotta, you gotta use a uh, something that sounds like a seductress duck to call their attention. So here we go. Quack! Quack! So oh, Richard is letting the cock with the cold go by. Uh-huh. Because he's sneaking around. Now look at him, man. He looks great. He doesn't look great in that documentary in 65. Uh-huh. He, he's like chain smoking. Now, Carl, you said you picked this movie because of Richard Burden. Mm-hmm. What is your association with Mr. Burden? Uh, well, uh, we're not lovers. Uh, I don't know where you heard that from. No, the truth is... I was just browsing around YouTube. I think you were having some trouble with come. I don't know, but I came upon it. It was Richard Burton, a huge star. It's uh-huh. 1951, so you can trust that there's not going to be ads. It's in black and white, so it's going to take us to an earlier time. And it was full of accents. No, so but I'm ac- talking about like you. You said you singled out Richard Burton. Like, what is your perception of Richard Burton? Like, no, no, I didn't. I, I just, he's a major star, and... Well, what is your fucking perspective of Richard Burton, then? Like, oh, oh, I think Richard Burton's a bum. I think he's okay. a loser. I okay, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, no, well, he, they, he and, and, and Enabler Girl were just total alcoholics, and it ruined them, of course. And look, of course they, they don't stay married and stuff. Okay, now, take him on the screen, and I think he's magnificent. Yeah. I think that that movie, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, what a trip. 
I, I think that Richard Burton as an actor, and not in this film, is very powerful. He holds his own in this film. It's not his film to take, though. It's, no, it's, it's not. Captain. He's not the main character or anything like that, even though he's a big deal. And the, the script doesn't lend him to any heroics or, you know, impassioned speech. He's just not the guy of this film, but he's still good in it. Yeah. Now well, tell everyone what's going on, Mike. I was about to, Carl, but you you were spo you spoke up. I'm oh, so I, I, sorry. I always. I thought it's all right. We could switch route back. You saw the movie. If you want to do I it, I, I yeah, all right. No, I saw it one time. Okay, all I know is she is now discovering the cache of smuggled alcohol. Right. That's okay. what I know. You, okay, you're gonna have to let me let me lead this. Okay, Carl. Yes, please. Okay, and if if I pause or my timing is off. Trust me, just let me give me that, that extra beat, okay? You got it. You don't have to step on it. Also, maybe you could shave once in a while. Okay. <laughs> yes, boss. Okay, boss. I will do it. All right. No, I'm, I'm ugly. I always hate bosses like that. Did I ever tell you the time I had uh, – we'll get back to this movie. He's basically telling her that they're smuggling booze, and they, they get it. They get it in the net, and they bring it over, and it's been going on for ages, and they have, like, a backlog and all this shit. So I had I had a, a show at a deli, and the boss was like, here, come here, come into my office. Now I don't work there, so but I'm right, going into right. the boss's office, right. and he closes the door, and he's like, you know, Mike, you've been using the same jokes every time. <laughs> and, okay, here here we go. Here's the star of the show. Now you would say, oh my God, fucking Penguin's henchman escaped Batman. But he actually ha he's a captain, and this is appropriate wear. His ship is named the Frolic. Yeah. And he's wearing a sailor's hat, and he's got a sailor's uh, sweater that has the name of the boat. So this is very on the on the up and up. What's and not he on the up? Pops in plural. The royal we, yeah. Oh, funny. I was just about to get to that, but yeah, uh, he, we have just landed. So he always refers to himself in the royal royal we. And that was our wife uh, when he talks about me. He also calls every woman the Lily White. Yeah, that's right. Is, it's a little off-putting because, you know, Lily White is, is a coded word in America. It's like, you know, exclusion of black people or it's used to say it's a Willie-like neighborhood. But it was a code. So it's weird hearing him say it. But let's listen to his crazy voice. Yep, you just yep, did Lily it. White. Now, I know this guy. Uh, he's famous for two reasons, Carl. He was terrific. I actually haven't seen him. There's two directors, British directors, Emmerich, uh, shit, Michael Powell, and fucking, what's the other dude's name? Uh, Emmerich Pressburger. That's right, Pressburger. And I saw The Red Shoes, fantastic movie about a dancer who gets these magic shoes that make her dance and dance and dance. And then they lost their career when they did a film called Peeping Tom, Okay. which is about a, a guy who kills women while filming them. He like his tripod has a knife and that movie destroyed their career. They had a very distinguished career. They had a string of three great movies starring the captain in this uh -huh. film. And by the way, I'm going to play the audio when he's anytime he gets to a piano, we got to hear the whole thing, but um, the song he plays. Yeah. Well, he gives these speeches. Uh, he did the life and death of Colonel Blimp. I know where I'm going, and a matter of life and death. Those are the three big Michael Powell, Emmerich Pressburger movies he did. So he's famous for that. He uh, 
you know, he lived a while. He he was too young for the Royal Air Force. Uh-huh. So he actually worked, you know, doing some mission stuff. But he, he was in tons of shit. And I think in the 70s, he kind of petered off uh, his last acting role. Okay, here we go. Yeah. There's a boat and the piano. There's a piano and a boat. Mm-hmm. Weird. It's, a, it's an upright, so it makes more sense. This reminds me of uh, the Hateful Eight when they give that big speech and the guy's playing the piano behind it. Oh, right. Oh, they, he's on TV. What's the moral of all this TV? Yeah. He is. Back on the business with great surprise with ourselves. Now, there was a television in the old man she was interviewing's office, which I was surprised about because this is 1951. They, well, they had TV in the 40s. Oh, I you didn't know. know that. I thought it was a fifth. Maybe it came, became big in the 50s. It became it became more affordable. You know, I mean, uh-huh. it was early adopters in the 40s, gotcha. but it, it existed. So what's interesting about this movie, Carl, if you remember it, is that he does these elaborate speeches on his pian- upright piano in his boat, and yeah. it's glorious. And at one point, he confronts his wife in her her landlocked house, his ex his ex wife, and there's a piano there, and he just I think he's talking to the husband. There's an just, organ. Yeah, he just kind of sits himself in front of it and starts playing while telling yeah. the story. It's great. Ah. Yeah, but go. remember this. Tell the audience yes. what he was saying while he was playing just last time. What we just heard, he was giving a story about the fish that got away. It's the story of a sailor and the love for the sea and the love for a woman, and what calls, what call they hear and what call they follow. Basically, Polly was a lily white, and we loved her. He, she was our wife. Yeah, but you know the sea beckons, and off he goes on the frolic, and he leaves her, and she married a guy who we will fucking see. Yeah, fucking crazy movie. Uh, yeah, uh, this crazy farmer that they she's gonna chase these guys off with a pitchfork. He was right a military now, man at the time. Now this is a great scene, Carl, because these bureaucrats show up, and they're all bootleggers, and the guy goes, "Would you like some brandy? I mean, uh, beer? Would you like beer? Uh, no brandy." Ixnay on the Andy Brown. Oh yeah, that's right. All right. So those two, uh, pro- the two bureaucrats were talking about how they don't like this guy. He's a bit chill, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's going to browbeat this Coast Guard into revealing the truth of uh, of uh, bootlegging. He's like, hey, it must be really hate your job, right? It must really fucking sucks looking at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like. But he it. doesn't like so English though. Yeah. Well, he's trying to be aggro, right? Like he's like Captain America in this. Let's take a listen. Not at all. Is there anything wrong? Wrong? You seem rather angry. You seem rather angry. Oh, well, uh, boring, shall we say. Sitting alone here all day, you get a little well cross about you. I am cross. It's with so it's the classic, like, he's trying to get information about it. Basically, they're going to, they do this wild goose chase, right? The bureaucrats, and they have nothing of it until the second act. And they show up and they go, what's all this then? Yes. And this has to do with us. And that's when the trouble fucking knocks off. But everything is crazy in this movie. 
like I look I have to say like everybody in this film is a genuine character. Like it's not yeah, just Walter. what a marvelous door. <laughs> yeah. It's what you're talking about. It's like the character of Don't dawdle. Yeah. Well the uh, no here's another thing too. Like this director, Nigel Twist, by the way, the uh the last scene in this movie, what a twist ending, Carl. Mm-hmm. The director. Uh, the twist ending. I don't think so. You yeah, can't... it was. It was directed by Nigel Twist. <laughs> what a twist ending! Okay. <laughs> classic, classic twist ending. Saw it coming. Now they're saying that this used to be one thing about this area. It was water, right? It was ocean. Uh-huh. Yeah. And basically, these guys are very dismissive because the marsh people, these marsh people. Uh, basically, they made their income by building a wall to block the ocean and then claim the land. Right. The the ocean receded, and all this wet, marshy land was left behind, and yeah. so they walled it off so the sea couldn't come back in. Right, and then they kept the land. And they're saying, hey, I see a bunch of cows on here, but you know, you need to grow some fucking potatoes. Oh, that's what he says to the other guy. You could grow potatoes. But, eh. Yeah. 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 Too starchy. Well, why is it a agricultural problem? Starchy. <laughs> now, all right. This is why I like this movie. You present the pitchfork and some bureaucrats. That guy. And they ran be... into where the bulls are, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, they run through it in those suits. But yeah, you got to have the farmer chase them with a bull. If you fucking bring a bull, you know, bull fork, bull, bull pork, fork, bull fork. Pitchfork. Pitchfork. Yeah, look at them run. Uh, that they used to keep their potatoes in this bunker, and it was like a really it was starchy bunker. <laughs> uh, I like that. Look at them. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then we get the big reveal. There's his wife, Polly. No, it's not a reveal. We're just meeting some farmer and his wife. But, but we hear their names. They're like, oh, shit. These are, this is the couple that the captain was talking about. By the way, I have to say, let's talk about Polly, his love of his life. She steals this movie. Her name is Vita Hope. And I will show you. Well, actually, she hasn't been introduced yet. That was a neighbor. But when she shows up, she scratches her ass, Carl. And we got to call out that, okay? Okay. Like, you know when you wake up, you stress. How do you wake up when you're on the on the cameras playing? Yeah. You get yeah. up, you scratch her ass. She does it, and it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> when she sees the boat, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's married to the director, Nigel Twist. Oh, she died in a horrible car accident in '63 while they were still married. That's uh, too bad. They were in a turnabout, and she crashed into a lorry. Okay, that's a that's a. But a truck in... Uh... Yeah, and a roundabout is a roundabout in England, too. Or what do they call it? Car- what are the round circle roundabout? Now, anyway, so they're saying, like, I told this reporter, and she's like, oh, she's uh, Tom's son, uh, daughter. She's all right. A real marsh girl, don't you know? There we go. That's my favorite line. A real marsh girl. I don't think we'll have any trouble with her. <laughs> Well, they have, uh, they still got another load. And they're like, well, we can keep it and let these bureaucrats go. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just take it. So they're going to go and take the, the booze. Now they're accelerating their, their, their bootlegging run. But the problem is that the weather's not great. 
no, the weather is not great. Now, the thing is, she's like, he's like, this reporter's snooping around, and now we got these bureaucrats. We better quit. We better just stop being a smuggler. We can do it later. You keep calling it bootlegging. They don't call it that. But then he goes, yeah, but we got the last shipment. It's it's out there on the ocean right now. And he's like, well, that won't do. Of course. We, okay, the this will be the last one. Yeah. Now, I have to say, like, their voyage is fantastic, right? Like, fantastic what voyage? It, I, it would that? be... Oh, I never, God damn it. I need a fucking word a day calendar, <laughs> right? That would really make a, a excellent adventure. God damn it. I need to hear it. Here's Richard. So he's like, what are you going to do now? And he's, he's like, you should settle down and get married. And she's like, oh, fooey. <laughs> now, you know, she they never get together in this film. And no, photograph the whole film. They're gonna get together. I feel like more of like she's one of the guys. Like she is a Marsh girl, mm -hmm. is in on it, and that she uh, helps them. You know, against the, the the all the cops that show up and all the bureaucrats, she's in on it. Like even at the end, she does her part, which is right when she's glug glug glugging. Yeah, she's doing her part. Yeah, I really think I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, but I really think that this movie has a bad ending it, it's really okay well let's uh let's after the scene let's talk about the ending because this all is right. a great scene all right it basically uh they have a three-hour tour and uh, <laughs> the tour is for the ss minnow yeah which may be lost so here he is again like during these scenes my big toe started to thump like my sailor uh eye started to turn red because i know a bad storm's a brewing and that's what they're saying, you know. We don't like the cut of this storm. It's a brewing. And one thing I have to say I love about these sailor dudes is that they have all this booze in there, and they know that they may not w win out against this storm, right? This perfect storm might kick their ass. So what do they do? They pull out a fucking – they pull out a corkscrew. And they're like, fuck it, dude. This stuff might be damaged. We might be damaged. We need to finish it off. Yeah, that's and right. And that plays into the movie. Like that's basically what this movie is about. It's like uh, instead of what getting was the rid name of it, that brandy. It was some Napoleon, right? Napoleon brandy, right, right, right. It's real Napoleon. Well, we need a corkscrew. Yeah, right away, uh, Captain. And they get shit fucked. Like they yeah. get so fucking drunk in this movie during the perfect storm. It reminds me when I saw the perfect storm. I actually was drinking at the time, uh -huh. and I passed out, and I woke up, and it was like a storm. Perfect. Yeah, Storm. Glug, Hello. Glug, glug. You are listening to the BBC uh, Yeah, ocean. which says, don't go sailing today, dumbass. Yeah, now these guys, they all survive, which is remarkable during this stuff. They fucking get shit-faced loaded. So this is fancy brandy. Glug, glug, glug. Take one down. You know, I put up – did I ever tell you the time I got angry? Because I, I put up 99 bottles of beer on my wall. 99 bottles of beer? Yeah, and then uh, these guys were singing a song, and I got really pissed off at it. I'm like, you better not. <laughs> I just put them up there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't deplete my stock. Coming up next, Jeeves and Worcester get into a trouble. You're listening to BBC Marshlands. Do-do-do.
So now they're on the shore worried about... Now, I think it's probably a film... Film... Um, I don't know. That just lightning. Oh, do you know what you think? This is probably a screen drop. Yeah, I, I, no, but see how it's lightninging and it's still shining on them? Maybe it is. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a backdrop. Unless they went to the ocean. Now, these guys are getting drunker and drunker. Tee hee, tee hee. But I really like the attitude of this movie. It's like, instead of wasting it, get drunk now. Yeah. Like, if it's going to spoil, eat it. And that's what they do. They get fucking drunk. And then when the, at the end of the movie, when the situation is that they have to get rid of all this booze, the right. town pitches in. Yeah, see, that's... Okay, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. the whole movie... Okay, the third act... See, is it really time to talk about this yet? I mean, our audience well, isn't with us at the third act. I'll tell well, you as we go along. Okay, but I mean, basically, things are going to escalate. These bureaucrats are going to get wind of this uh, smuggled booze. Yes. Also, they claim, and the boat's going to be, well, we won't even get to that point, but the boat's in peril. And the new position of the boat means that to cover their ass, they say, oh, we have this liberty Look at him still drinking. I love it. Yeah. Oh, he's like, he's fucking pulling off. Oh, we should listen to his voice. This guy, like, the moment this guy, Richard, started talking and acting in this movie, I was like, who's Richard Purden? <laughs> yeah, right. He just, he completely takes over this movie. Yeah, look at them. They're fucking about to die. They're just drunk and crazed. So the point was, the ship is probably going to wreck or something, so we should get rid of the booze. And then they decide not to get rid of it. Well, we always deliver, right? Doesn't they say yeah, that? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot of money if they don't deliver. It's a lot of money, but they also know that this might be their last flight, so they're drinking it. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, like the first time I see, I've seen this movie three times, and the first time I saw this, I thought Burden was on the boat. And it oh. wasn't until I saw them on the marshlands, huh. and Bird is like, Oh, there's a weather guy. That's what I mean. Like this movie doesn't lend itself to Richard Burton being great. No, he has a role and he does it really well. Like you really do think he's a. a now, what uh, is he hearing right now? Oh, right. Help! Help! Help. I'm stuck in a shed. I don't get it. But this, okay. this one, this one scene, I don't really get. But I guess he's still snooping around or something. He kind of says, like, you dumb girl to her, but he helps her out. Yes, he's a, he's pretty nice to her. Yeah, I don't know why they don't hook up. I know. That's one of the things in which I don't like about this movie is that the ending is that it telegraphs to us, we're going to have a romance. These two, like, uh, I wouldn't say they don't like each other or at odds, but they are a little bit. She's, he's like, you're a snooper. I don't like that. Right. But meanwhile, they respect each other as well she does she never writes the report no that's why i don't think no her dad writes a newspaper because the dad would be like ixnay on my past life you know what i mean like <laughs> uh, i think it's like she knows the full story about this smuggling ring but she's not going to tell it because she's from the area she's a right. marsh girl right lily white marsh girl no trouble lily from white. her yeah, lily white you tell the lily white oh we don't like that here, that minnow could be lost. Look how drunk he is. <laughs> and you know what's strange? He has such a big, fat face in this movie. And <laughs> I looked him up, 
you know, I'll tell you what, what else he's famous for, which is his fucking family tree. But I looked him up, and I see him in the Blimp movie. I see him in his other roles, and he has, like, a young, distinct face. He's got uh-huh. a beard. Like, he definitely changed his, his appearance changed in this one. Okay, so the other thing he's known about. All right, wait. Here, we're, are we going to have the ass scratch scene? Oh, uh, I'm not up to that yet. He's passed out. I might be a couple seconds behind you. There she is. Vita Hope. Yeah. Look at this. Classic Carl. Wakes up, yawns. A little bit of stifle. Ah, get your feet bearing. Here it comes. The best part of the movie. Scratch your butt. Yeah, scratch your hair. Figure it out. Get up. Get some air. Scratch, 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 scratch. Look at that. Bone in your front line. Yeah. Classic. Du- oh, she does the double take. She says, There's a boat in the front yard. There's a boat in the front yard. <laughs> Look at that. She doesn't register. Goes back to bed. Yes. Yeah, nothing. There's a ship in the duck pond. What? There's a ship in the duck pond. They survived. Now, our hero, our uh, the guy who talks in plural, he does a yeah. pretty good I'm waking up job, too. Oh, and they're hungover, too, so they have to do the hungover part. They got maroon. Their ship went flying. He goes, right... rear rudder, rear rudder. Right, well, because we hear the ship, right? You hear that noise? And then, that's the ships are running. Still going. All right, I'll push it back. And then the those poor ducks. ducks are quacking up. All those ducks are dead. I ate them afterwards. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> now, this guy's completely unrealistic. Get your boat out of my duck pond. How's he supposed to do that? He's just throwing dominance, I guess. Uh, but no, there's no way. And then this becomes the. Then this movie kicks into gear with its uh, parody. He shoots at it. Bang, bang. Where's yeah. the fucking bullet hole? Stupid. <laughs> it's so fucking hugover. Oh, we got here. I hear say it. that. What's the idea of putting a boat hey. in my duck pond? It's not deep enough. Wow, we've seen your face before. But he's still too drunk to notice. Here you go, fucking dumbass ship captain. Ship guy. <laughs> What's going on, Mr. Bill? How do we get here? That problem is at present occupying our attention, Fred. It would appear that we are marooned. <laughs> he says a little captain jump, right? The sailor, the sailor jumps out of the thing. He doesn't understand why there's not water around him. All right. Now here she is. She sees her husband. Is that her? No, that's her friend. Vita's kind of has more of a figure to her. Uh-huh. All right, they did it. They're done. Oh, look, Burns didn't realize he's on stage. Right. He uh, he has some drinking stories in this documentary. 
I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, so he was drinking with his father, his real father, and they had Boilermakers, which is an American drink, which is a shot followed by a pint of beer. And uh, I said, Dad, would you like a Boilermaker? It's a usually uh, vodka or whiskey. And he said, how about a shot of rum? So my father and I had some rum and uh, followed by a pint of beer. And at the end, he said, oh, those Americans, what a clever race. <laughs> like the French are a peculiar That's race. That's what he said. Because movie. his father woke up and all his ailments disappeared. His lifelong ailments were gone after that night of drinking with his son. From Boilermakers? And he said, Americans, what a clever race. For creating the Boilermaker. All right, so, yeah, we're getting into the whole, like, bureaucrats that come a piling on. Now, right? because this was a cop, like a local cop. Yeah, right? local cop. But what they're going to say is that because the boat is from their area, which is covered by the Liberty, right? The they can get a slipway built and get the boat back in and have the farmer pay for it by having the boat being declared owned by back to the Liberty, right? So this goofy ass guy who's going to bring his who's going to leave to get a sandwich and a and a stool, yeah, the guy with the hat. The guy with the hat. Okay, so here's the first guy. Now, I like this fucking cop a lot. The farmer's saying, I have these trespassers. And the captain knows exactly what's happening. He says, you have trespassers? Well, we should maybe you should talk to me about it. And what he does is that he's the, this cop squares away all of the, the farmer's problems. Right? Like, he has a bigger scheme that the farmer doesn't realize. And it'll come up in a second. But this is the first time we meet him. And here's Polly. Now, here's look. the uh, well, her reaction is priceless. Yeah, it's so good. Holy. Here it comes. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> what an actress, man. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at our face. Considerable amusement. Who is it? <laughs> a lily white by the name of Polly. She seems to know, she seems you. To know you. She said. She is our wife. <laughs> How could you hate a guy like that? She said. She is our wife. I say that. Okay, here's Colonel Gill. Board. Oh, he goes, Ahoy! That's another thing that made me laugh. Yeah, because they're on land and he's going, Oh boy. <laughs> All right, so they're divvying things up. They realize that the only way they can make this happen is that they're not going to pay for it. They're going to make the farmer pay for it by declaring the ship owned by the Liberty by oh, the wait, area. Wait, but wait, wait, you're forgetting yeah. the blackmail part. Who's blackmailing whom? Okay, Polly ran away from our hero here. Yeah. They were married. They were married. And she went off with uh, the military guy, the farmer, the pitchfork guy. Yeah. But that's, you see, they were married, so they never got divorced. So he can't legally be married to her. So that is the blackmail. He goes in there, he plays the organ, he plays right. the piano. We had a wife by the name of Polly. 
Electors for a certain quartermaster sergeant. Quartermaster sergeant, that's it. You don't mean that Potty and we do. We do. These things are in the stars. Here you go, he's playing the fucking piano. I love it. Always the same song. It's so great. Yeah, the same song. When a ship finds itself in a foreign port without the means to proceed elsewhere, the master is permitted to borrow money ashore from any party on security of the ship and its company. Okay, so they're getting to the nitty-gritty of it. Right. In yeah. addition, they're going to get it financed through some maritime law. Okay, but to do that, they need to have the their neighborhood, the, the Liberty, declare it. Right. And meanwhile, there's going to be... But aren't they still in the Liberty Charter? Aren't they still... They That's, are. You know, it took me a second to figure that out. I think because they're going to have Charter Day nearby. And all the townspeople are hip to the smuggling. I think it is. I think, but I think, like, the Quartermaster Pitchfork guy lives in the marsh. And the water was so high, they went over the wall. Yeah. And then when the water receded, they were landlocked. They were stuck. Yeah. Marooned. Oh, I see the marooned. That was considerable. <laughs> Look, there's a chess game on a boat. Do you think that would, wouldn't that slide all around? Well, we saw a boat movie that took place in Sausalito. Do you remember that hippie movie? You're my mom, and she said, meep, meep, and she ran off. Oh, you that, that sunflower? They did live on a boat. That was they with Carol Hannah. Flowers? No. Flower, sunflowers? Something like that. Wildflowers? Yeah. What was Wildflower. it? I liked the movie, you know, but it was also them. But this is this is like an active boat, right? Like this has like he's on the, he's every day smuggling. Every day I'm smuggling. Every day I'm smuggling. <laughs> uh, here comes the blackmail. Fucking for all his bluster. Which is the father? Mm-hmm. Without the removal of our ship, we would like to get it refloated without delay. You'd better. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk it over. When we see it, it's a matter of constructing a... There he is as the quartermaster. I love these details. Like, everybody is fully formed in this movie. Everyone has a personality that you could pull out of. Oh. The ship about. We understand one another very well. We. Yeah. Here he is. Oh, a piano! Well, it's an organ, you see. That's the difference. And there's no mirror where you can look at yourself. Once we do a fella like you, look like you, talk like you. Active, pretty much the same. He was a soldier of sorts, a kind of quartermaster sergeant. Kind of? He took a fancy to a certain lily white known to us. Although himself to this fellow. He's getting so black now. Damn it! Just him on the piano and this character is. Oh, it just elevates this movie. It's just everything becomes so much better. So now this guy is committed through blackmail to creating the boat slip, 
to get them back into the water. Right. Which, you know, honestly, it seems like such a ridiculous claim. And now he's going to get breakfast. Well, his wife is going to gleefully, happily serve him breakfast. Like, she is very happy to see him. Yeah. Right? Well, she does have that really good heart-to-heart where she's like, you're leaving again, aren't you? Although it was her who left. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Look how happy she is to give him. Ah, Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Fucking wild. This guy is a, is a, I don't know the sports term, but he's the most valuable player in this movie. Like, he definitely de- comes up and delivers. Ahoy! <laughs> you want oh. It's really funny how the young guy treats him. Let's yes. listen. I'm the bailiff sergeant. Come again? The bailiff sergeant. I seize vessels on behalf of the council of the corporation. Ah. Oh. oh, you do, do you? <laughs> You'll get down the ladder and start having a ball. He's got a Liverpool accent or something, too. Well, really yeah. want to know, it started with Henry III. Well, if you go back to Henry and tell him to mind his own business. I know his face. Uh, he, when he's older, he's a famous actor. I know his face. You know, I did not look up anything. He kind of looks like the guy from uh, Hogan's Heroes, uh, Bob Crane. I can see that, but it... but but. He does have a look. I didn't look. I, you know, I focused on on uh, Richard Honor, uh, Richard Burden, and uh, the director and the writer. Burden, you know, like he, he in this documentary from '65. At one point, he moves to Hollywood, and he actually, I think, he moved to Switzerland. To be honest with you, uh huh, for tax reasons. He was married to Cyril, I think her name was, and then. Uh, he met her in his first movie, and of course, things changed. He was supposed to be in Camelot, and the producers of Cleopatra paid out the producers of Camelot to make sure Burton wouldn't do the movie, so he would oh. do this. Yeah. Okay, so he's saying, like, oh, <clears throat> is the thing is, they don't want them to know about the booze. They don't want anyone on this ship. So he says, like, uh, he realized the guy doesn't wants to guard it. He's like, "Well, can I get my sandwich and a, a chair?" He's like, "Yeah, go ahead." <laughs> yeah, he says, as a matter of fact, you should do it right now. Do it right now. Okay, now these guys from the car. Here we go. They're about to leave the movie until they see this. Interesting to go aboard. What do you think of this? It's a trawler, isn't it? We have the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries. Nothing is safe without police protection. Very well. I shall make it my business to see the customs and coast guard. That's a jerk. Here, they're gonna say it right here. We go. You know, Fishwick. I wish I liked Perot better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fishwick. I wish I liked Perot better. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's a little too cold. But Perot, the the aggressive American like asshole, he's gonna do that shtick to these guys too, and it's gonna fail. So they're gonna switch the 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 crates into the fish crates, and then move out the booze. Done and done. Done and done, and that's how they get away with it. Okay, so I think I'm wrong. This guy, that guy, I knew his face. His name is Brian Forbes. Yeah. And he was in um, The Guns of Navarone, um, but he's not the guy I was thinking of. I know who it is now, and I just see his face, but never mind. It doesn't, it's not him, so. No worries. Okay, so now we're trying to get rid of the booze, before right. the bureaucrats come. We've seen 
Which is crazy because that bulldog of a of a Ministry of Fishery guy, yeah. he fucking gets on the boat. Like he actually bulldogs his way onto the boat. Yeah. He's like telling Bernard to open up the hatch. That, yeah. It's hot. 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 I don't know. It's hot. Is that a I'm afraid it's a tone? bit stuck. Oh, I must stand up from the hot first. So he's like, you've got to get out of here. There's alcohol here. You get implicated. Yeah. He goes, I'm not leaving. I brought you a tomato sandwich. Which is really nice. And interesting. They talk potatoes and tomatoes. Potato. Tomato in this movie. Interesting. Yeah, I did you my say research. Potato, I say tomato. Oh, you know what, Carl? I was going to single out. There's one scene in this movie, and I think we we missed it already. Oh, where they're at the colonel's uh, house and they're planning out a scheme of what to do. Right. He had the squeakiest fucking shoes. I was going to call myself out and say, oh. play up the. I was going to play the audio on it, but I just missed it. But you could hear him squeaking his shoes around in this movie. <laughs> All right, here comes the next guy. Yeah. Now, where's he from again? Like, he's not the. There's a okay. smart sergeant who. I'm who's not gonna sure help. because they are hiding from him, but he seems like he's part of the marshes. Oh no, he's he's a maritime guy. Oh, he's from Salvage. Who always has the cold? Oh no, here's the guy with the cold. The cold. I think that guy's from the Salvage. He wants to take the boat. He's got no teeth. He's the guy who was walking. He was walking. Oh, the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard, yeah. Right. Right. But they, he does a double take. The bureaucrat goes, You mean smuggling? And they cut to him and his teeth falls out. All right, they're almost there. Don't pull my leg. Okay, now this guy shows up with his chair. <laughs> I got here first. I just came back from my stool. <laughs> So it's three separate bureaucratic organizations, yeah. and they're all sort of fighting for jurisdiction. Yeah. While the ladder's gone. Oh man! Oh, this is all right. This is one of my favorite scenes. He brought food. So this guy brought food and coffee, and a chair, and he's sitting in the tent. He's the only one. Well, yeah, I think he's gonna. I forget the reason. Oh, this guy is snoring so loudly he can't stand it. So he gets up Makes away from the snoring sick. guy. The snoring guy opens his eyes. See, he hates him. That's the salvage guy. That's the Coast Guard guy. The Coast Guard guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to turn away from this guy. He's like, they're turned away. I can drink the asshole's coffee. They brought enough for one. <laughs> right? Like, this prick brings his own food and these guys are starving. Thank God he had enough chairs. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? How did they get chair? I mean, he only brought one chair. No, he brought he brought a couple, multiple chairs. Oh. He's about to drink his cup. <clears throat> what happened? Okay, I think the squeaking is the next scene. Here we go. Listen okay. to his squeaking. Right. Check out this fucking liquor book cabinet. Wow, nice and hidden. Is it prohibition? Telling me in the face the whole time. What do you do with the cup? You drink it. Drink it. My old car gun? Well, that's the run. That's the... Well, his shoes were squeaking. So, so they come up... they have to drink all the booze on the... Yep. yep, before the bureaucrats find it. That's the rub. Yeah, we have to get the town people drunk. 
Look at this tiny little glass. Or a lily it, white. Yeah, well, it's brandy. It's like really fancy shit. They just glug it down. <laughs> brandy galore. Oh, brandy galore. Good one. All of my colleagues were assaulted by this man, Bainbridge, in the execution of their duties. Do you wish to prefer a charge, sir? No, though we should be well within our... Now, isn't that the cop who brings them warrants? Yeah, he he pays them mine here, right? He's still eating his lunch. They leave. He picks up the phone and he calls the colonel. And so the colonel says, pretends what... to be on their side. He's just doing his job. And then once they leave, he calls up the colonel and says, what am I going to do? Colonel gives him the order. He follows through. Like, okay. he's, not showing his, he's not showing his hand, but he's definitely, like, here we go. I mean, it sounds like he's going to follow up with these guys, and then he gets a call, and he's just like, calls the colonel, the colonel says, fuck with these guys, he's like, all right. Look how old-timey it is. Yeah. I know, and they have televisions back then? What the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, there's the ducks from the uh, title card. There's their little camp. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. And they all hate each other. Like it's just funny the personalities of these characters. Yeah. They don't they didn't need to do that. <laughs> well, they're they're camped out there too. They sleep in their boat all night. Look, he, he, there's they're mopping the swap in the deck. Well, they have their duties. It doesn't matter if it's not on water. It doesn't matter. They're their boat. <laughs> breakfast, Cedric! Cedric! Cedric. Breakfast. Okay, white power. He did the okay sign. That means white power? Yeah. Carl, where have you been? I guess not in the movement. <laughs> All right, now this guy, he's got his orders. He says, oh, Mr. Bridget, we'll have a little chat. Yeah, hey, I Stay figured everything out. out. Yeah. Everything's okay. I got it. Because it seems like the, the cop's going to kick the boat out, right? Like the farmer wants the boat out. And... uh he talks to him, he's like, I got everything. Don't you worry. I have it set. Well, he says, like, I have paperwork that'll make these guys trespassers. Come on down and sign the papers. But and it sounds can... like the boat people. Like, I, I can make the boat people trespassers. But in fact, he makes all the bureaucrats trespassers on his land. Right. And that kind of screws the quartermaster, I remember now. Yeah. Well, it also, yeah, it screws the quartermaster, but it screws all the bureaucrats. You know, like... certainly. Yeah, look at this town. Great car. Yeah. Hello, lover who I will never be lovers with. Come on, yeah. look at this whole movie is setting them up to be a couple. I was drinking three bottles a day, and I, my friend Richard, that's your third bottle. Maybe you should take a blood test. So you, I used the name X. It was anonymous. And they said, ooh. Right, he wants to keep it anonymous, so he goes into an interview and blabs about it. The results came back. If this man, this anonymous man, lives like this, he will only live for two more weeks. All right, now here comes the cop. Cop fucking, and he's got a new pitchfork. Here's all our bureaucrats. We have a pitchfork on farmer. Yeah, get off me land. Well, he wants the, the ship off the duck pond. Oh, right, he's now got he's his pitchfork. Yeah, but it's got four prongs now instead of two. 
It is a new pitchfork. Maybe they're disposable. Like once you chase after somebody with it, you got to throw it away. <laughs> they're disposable. Yeah. Let me. Give me my pitchfork. Here you are, dear. I use that one. Okay, so here's the ducks. They're drunk. Oh, uh, geese might be cooked, or at least our ducks are pickled. Look at the bubbles coming out of them. Like that's I what love when you drink. Don't you think as a British child you'd be laughing in the aisles when you saw Yes. Like, oh, they push on his stomach and the bubbles come out. That's hilarious. The cruelty. Look, it's in slow motion, so they look drunk. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to get some.